Blog Talk Radio. Hey there. It's parenting your challenging child again. Dr. Ross Green here. Welcome to today's program. Glad that you're joining in. Um, here in a very rainy day and gray day from the offices of Lives in the Balance in Portland, Maine. I think we're getting snow in some of the uh, northern reaches of the state in the back country, but here in Portland, just rain. Um, that's okay. Great day to do a uh, program on parenting your challenging child. Uh, That call-in number again, 347-994-2981. We do this every week, September through May. And um, there's only one reason we do it, so you can get the support you need and the help you need in um, understanding your behaviorally challenging child and uh, solving problems collaboratively with that child. Um, But, you know, there's so much that goes along with having a behaviorally challenging child. We talk about all that stuff, too. It's not just about lagging skills, and it's not just about unsolved problems, and it's not just about solving those problems collaboratively and not unilaterally, and it's not just about getting good at plan B, which is very hard in the beginning. It's also about, and these are things we often talk about on this program, the impact of the behaviorally challenging child on you, impact of the behaviorally challenging child on your family, what your child is going through, uh, dealing with the folks at school if your child is challenging at school and trying to get on the same page with them as it relates to having the same lenses on and as it relates to trying to intervene in ways that are compassionate and humane and productive and effective. There is a lot that goes along with being a behaviorally, the parent of a behaviorally challenging child. So if you want to talk about any of that stuff, the call-in number is uh, 347-994-2981. Um, 347-994-2981. And today's a good day to call in. I've got a bunch of email to answer. We don't have any callers right now, so let's start with some email and then we'll see what happens from there. Callers, as I always say, take priority on this program, so here we go. Dr. Green, I am the mother of a behaviorally challenging 14-year-old daughter. Diagnosed with seizures as the core issue, she, however, takes advantage of her disability as a license to act out, threaten, break things when she doesn't get her way, use profanity, really disrespectful of authority. I found her birth mother this past year, and that didn't make a single bit of difference in her behavior. There's no reactive attachment issues, 
strictly my daughter thinks she's going to demand that I do what she wants, when she wants, how she wants, or she will make my life a living hell. My other three children, who are also adopted but not blood sibling, resent her, almost wish she would make good on her threat to run away so they don't have to listen to her. Uh, Thank you for your email. It sounds like it's not fun in your household. Um, And I hear you loud and clear. Your um, adopted daughter has a seizure disorder, it sounds like. Um, The rest we may have to call into question to help you help her and to help you improve things. I um, don't know, it might be true, but I don't know if it's your advantage to view her as taking advantage of her disability as a license to do the things that she's doing. I don't know if those are the lenses you want to have on. And um, that's not me diminishing the fact that she's adopted. Uh, She's adopted. But it is me saying we need to be careful to point to one thing we know about a child and point to it as the primary cause of her difficulties and point to, and she may even be saying things along these lines. She may even be saying, I can do what I want because I have seizures. Um, I can't help it because I have seizures. Kids sometimes point to something themselves and say, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. So that's... But what I'm always discouraging, the biggest issue isn't whether your adopted daughter has seizures. It's not that she's not acting out. She clearly is acting out. It's just that it sounds like we are holding up seizures as the primary issue. And I think we'd be better off if we moved on to the next level of analysis. What lagging skills is your adopted daughter bringing to the table? In what situations are those lagging skills making it difficult for her to meet your expectations? What are those specific situations? What problems are being caused by the clash between demands for skills and the fact that your adopted daughter is lacking those skills that are being demanded? Those situations are called unsolved problems. And now we come to a very important part. How are you going about trying to solve those problems with your adopted daughter. If you're using what in my model is referred to as Plan C, you are removing the expectations. If you're using what I refer to as Plan A, you are unilaterally deciding the solutions to those problems and imposing those solutions. And if you're using Plan B, you're trying to solve those problems collaboratively. 
through three steps. By the way, those pregnant pauses are me turning the microphone off so I can sneeze. Isn't it great? I don't um, often feel the need to sneeze during this radio program, but apparently today's the day. Um, and we do have a caller. I'm going to ask you to hold on, caller from area code 613. So just hold on till I'm finished with this one, and then we will be right with you. With a few pregnant pauses thrown in there for me to sneeze, apparently. We'll see how long this goes on during the next uh, 35 minutes or so of the program. Uh, the empathy step of Plan B is where we are trying to understand your adopted daughter's concern or perspective on the specific unsolved problem you're trying to solve with her proactively at a given time. We need to know what she feels is getting in her way. We need to know her concern, her perspective, because here's what we know. If we don't get her concern or perspective identified, if we don't make sure that her concern or perspective gets addressed, whatever unsolved problem you're working on with her will remain unsolved. Now, Mom, I know that you have concerns about those unsolved problems as well. Often those concerns, and I don't know your situation well enough to know if this is the case, but often those concerns lead adults into Plan A, unilateral problem-solving imposition of adult will, which, by the way, is when it usually gets ugly with a behaviorally challenging kid. But the same concern or perspective could just as easily lead you into Plan B, you can get your concern addressed in Plan B as well. If your concern or perspective remains unaddressed, this unsolved problem will remain unsolved. And the third step is the invitation, where you and your daughter are brainstorming solutions that are realistic. Both of you can do what you're actually agreeing to do and mutually satisfactory meaning your concerns have both been addressed. You could treat her seizure disorder, but any unsolved problems that remain after having treated her seizure disorder wouldn't get solved by treating her seizure disorder. You can um, find her birth mother and if that was one of the unsolved problems that was getting in your daughter's way, I suppose that that could have solved that problem, but not all the rest. The, your belief that your daughter thinks that all she needs to do is demand what she wants, when she wants, how she wants, or she's going to make your life a living hell, I totally understand you feeling that way, and I totally get it that that's how it seems. But that's a very traditional point of view on what your daughter is up to. It's the coercion model in which the belief is that your daughter's challenging behaviors are intended to coerce you into capitulating to her wishes. And that is a belief system that I find frequently leads us in the wrong direction as it relates to how we try to help and reduce the challenging behaviors of behaviorally challenging kids. 
So you're welcome to call into the program, of course, if you're listening or another time. Once again, that number is 347-994-2981. If you want to fill in some of the informational gaps here, things I don't know, but what I would recommend you do is get on the Lives in a Balance website, if you haven't done this already, go to the resources section, go to the paperwork section of the resources section, print out the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems, and um, get to know your daughter through the prism of lagging skills and unsolved problems. That would be a major step in the right direction, I think. I don't know your situation anywhere nearly as well as I would like to, but I hope that would move things in the right direction. And then what I hope you do is access all of the free resources, streaming video, the listening library on the Lives in a Balance website. See if you can start solving problems collaboratively with your daughter. If you need help, that's what this radio program's for. I'm here every week to give you the help and support you need. And none of what I just recommended is going to cost you a nickel. I wish you the very best, and um, do feel free to call in anytime. Now here's somebody who actually did call in anytime. This person called in this time uh, from area code 613. You're on the air. How are you today? I'm well, thank you. And I'm ever so grateful <laughs> that I'm able to call in and speak with you. Um, I'm glad you called Oh, thank you. Um, it's, I always notice <laughs> that a lot of kids are adopted, and I often think um, I never want to preface that with my children. However, <laughs> they have been adopted. Um, they are two of many who have also been adopted, um, and we have a relationship with um, a few of them, which is fantastic. Um, so my girls are eight and nine. They recently... Uh, being diagnosed with ADHD, for which I'm grateful. <laughs> um, I have embraced your philosophy probably about a year and a half ago, and it's really turned my thinking around. Um, the more time I spend with them, um, or when I'm with them, and the acting out starts to <laughs> starts to um, I don't know get me anxious, I guess. I just think back to the lagging skills. I think back to the diagnosis um, and put it in perspective. My goal is to help them as much as I can, of course. Um, We're trialing some medications. Um, I'm a little bit ambivalent, but I've decided to try it. We've started to discuss their diagnosis with them as um, our Learning Disabilities Association is advocating for um, again, I'm a little ambivalent, but just giving little bits of information and getting some kids' books. Um, <clears throat> it's been hard for a number of years because they play off each other. Um, homework was hell. I think when I listen to all your calls, we should just ban school. <laughs> Life would be so much easier. <laughs> yeah. um, it's been hell because they, um, you know, they run around circles around me. Um, We've brought in a tutor, and not so much to teach them, but to be able to give them, to give them some one-on-one time. 
um, while I work with my other daughter, uh, the tutor we work, work with one, there's a lot of resistance um, from both kids to do that. Um, let me see what else. Their behavior is quite irregular, so I'm finding it hard to do um, some plan B because we'll come up with a plan and then um, or we'll try to come up with a plan <laughs> um, and then everything is hunky-dory for several days and then boom, it comes back. So mm-hmm. you know, I hear you say that obviously it's not the right plan. But so I've got a, several questions. So one of them, um, if I could just put them all out first, one of them is, how to find the plan when it seems like it goes away, but it then comes back several weeks later in a different situation. Yep. That's one thing. Um, my youngest has very angry moments. They are not probably as bad as what they were, um, I think mostly in part because I we don't go up against each other. I'm able more to walk away and respect, you know, with with better understanding, really, you know, embrace it and say, okay, you know, she's not doing this on purpose. Yesterday she was extremely angry. Um, She's going to kill me. She was raging. Um, Often I will walk away and give her space. But yesterday I thought, I'm going to stay in the room, you know, away from her, but stay in the room and make eye contact with her because I want her to know that threatening me is not acceptable. So I did that for a little while, and then I I stayed at my case. I'm not going to have it. You can't speak to me that way. We're going to discuss it after. I left. Um, She went outside and then, you know, went and spent some time together by herself and probably about an hour later, when I spoke with her again, um, she crawls into my arms, starts crying, saying she's sorry, she can't help it. So, uh, thoughts, please. Um, I, I guess when it comes back to collaborative problem solving, um, do we do it individually? Because often, for example you know, at the kitchen island having breakfast, you know, it's poke, poke, um, you know, kind of squabbling back and forth. Uh, when I've tried collaborative problem solving, you know, they'll come up with <laughs> come up with ways. One will come up with one way that involves the other, and, of course, the other one comes up a way that involves the other person. <laughs> so my strategy of put, putting them in separate rooms isn't really helping, and, well, they won't do it, <laughs> number one. So... Um, we're at a, a loss. Okay. Let's see if we can make this a little better. Thank you. First, um, it sounds like you have two very active kids. Yes. And that means that life is going to be extremely interesting for you no matter what you do. And a big part of the reason for that is the most commonly prescribed medicines for hyperactivity and poor impulse control and inattention are, of course, the stimulants. Yes. And if stimulants 
are given too late into the day, then they keep kids awake at night. That and being the case. My older daughter right. is not sleeping. Yes. Right. For that reason, families tend not to be the beneficiaries of stimulant medication. The school tends to be the beneficiary of stimulant medication, but the families don't because the kids are not on the stimulant medication, certainly not when they get home from school. When they get home from school, it's usually worn off. And if it's administered too late in the day, the kids don't sleep, which, quite frankly, probably simply compounds the problem. You could be the beneficiary of stimulant medication on the weekend, and many families do that. And so question number one is, given that you told me that you were um, beginning to look at medication, is have you tried it yet, and are you using it on the weekend? Um, Yes to both questions. We started about six weeks ago. The first medication was not the right one. It made them extremely hyper, even at the low dose. We now started on Concerta. Um, We're at the lowest dose for two weeks. Uh, A week ago, we increased slightly, and yes, they were on it yesterday at home. They were on it yesterday at home? Yes. And what did you notice? Something good? Nothing? Um, um, Part of me has questioned if it's still enough. Um, I do see in one of them, I see a little bit of stimulant action about an hour after it starts, and then it eases off. Mm -hmm. Um, The teachers say that she's doing much, much better in school. Interesting. um, Yeah. Um, my younger one apparently is also doing better in school, not showing any anger. She does have some social um, social difficulties. Um, the timing of this this episode um, was probably a bit earlier than I would have expected for when the medication would wear off. And that simply proves, I suppose, that while it could have been the medication wearing off that was the issue, it could also have been a big unsolved problem blowing through the medication, which can happen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So medication, you're not going to be able to rely, I'm sure you know this, but you're not going to be able to rely totally on medication to eradicate all unsolved problems. Medication can, if if medication is working to address hyperactivity, poor impulse control, and inattention, then if a child is on medication and is less hyper, less impulsive, and less inattentive, then that should help on unsolved problems that seem to be related to inattention, hyperactivity, and poor impulse control. But it won't, I wouldn't expect it to do much on unsolved problems that were not related to hyperactivity, poor impulse control, and inattention. And it also sounds like the folks at school are more impressed by what the medication is doing than you are so far. Fair? Yes. 
in terms of what your kids look like while they're on it in your presence. Yes. So, number one, I'm glad that they look better at school and that the folks at school feel like um, they are benefiting from the meds. That's I'm glad. Um, but you, it sounds like you still have two unmedicated, largely hyperactive, impulsive, inattentive kids in your household. And so it doesn't sound like the medication is helping you much at all. No. So I guess question number one is, is that something you want to talk to the person who's doing the prescribing about? And they're going to have a tough call to make because the school is saying, we like what we see. And you're saying, I'm not seeing much at home, but we'll leave that up to the medication person. I'm not a medication person, and we're going to leave that in their good hands. But now, on to what I might be able to help with. It feels a little bit to me like you may be trying to use the model with them in the same way for both. When, in fact... I would be willing to bet that they both have different profiles of lagging skills and that they both have different profiles of unsolved problems. I'm hearing a little bit about that. So I would want to identify lagging skills and unsolved problems in both of them, even though they share hyperactivity, poor impulse control, and inattention. Um, Whenever I'm seeing kids who have the profile of hyperactivity, poor impulse control, and inattention, I really never have any idea what their unsolved problems are going to be or what their specific profile of lagging skills is going to be. So I think we need to start treating them in a very individualized way. And that means we are solving problems with them individually, Mm -hmm. especially if it's a problem that only affects one of them Even if it's a problem that affects both of them, say homework, but for different reasons, you're going to want to do plan B individually with both of them because there may be different concerns, different things getting in their way. Even if it's the same homework assignment, there may be different things getting in their way, and we're doing it separately because they're not the same. And the solutions, therefore, might be different. The concerns might be different. The solutions might be different. The only ones I would do jointly, if you thought this was even possible, and I I would do it separately in the beginning and then bring them together if I could, is difficulties they're having interacting with each other when they're together. Those might be good opportunities for combined plan B, solving problems together, collaboratively, but it feels to me like we still need a profile of lagging skills on both of them, separately, individually. And we do We still that. need, what's that? We do have that. Good. We, we were blessed to work with an agency this summer uh, to start us um, using the model. Good. Um, I would have wished that it <laughs> had continued... Um, 
that it be ongoing because, you know, as you say, <laughs> it, it's it's uh, something it takes a long time um, to do that. Yes, to to learn how to do it, do it properly. Um, yeah. <laughs> it does, and to tell you the truth, trying to do it, cutting your teeth on Plan B with. Um, a hyperactive kid is what I would call learning the hard way because sometimes hyperactive, impulsive, inattentive kids don't have an easy time hanging in there for the whole conversation. So sometimes you have to do it in pieces, they run which makes circles. it harder. What's that? Yeah. They run circles around us. And even with when the counselor would come, they would go outside and climb the tree and, you know, totally, <laughs> or respond back with, um, you know, something about candy or, you know, trying to change the subject. It's so here's the thing. Is it possible to have a problem-solving conversation with them yet? Or is it possible to do it, like if you wanted to do the empathy step for two minutes, would either of them be able to hang in there for that? At a, at a really good moment, could you get two minutes of the empathy step in? Yes, I do get uh, the empathy step, especially at bedtime when I when I'm with them separately. Okay. Uh, settling them for bed, they and they do have insights. They often have have insight. We don't always come to a solution um, that ends up working for the whole family. It may work for them individually if there was no other interaction with anybody else. Um, oh, uh, so, so what we should move, we, that's what we should move to, is that was, that was your big question as well. But before we move to that, if you feel like you're unmedicated, well, they're certainly unmedicated at nighttime, if you feel that you can do some plan B, even with them unmedicated, at bedtime, mm-hmm. that's good. The minute you feel like that's impossible, you, you can't do Plan B because they're too hyperactive, impulsive, and inattentive to participate in the conversation long enough for it to be meaningful. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm okay, obviously, with chunking it because with some kids you gotta chunk it and do it in pieces and do that with a lot of kids. And Plan B lasts two minutes at a time, and we get problems solved in little two-minute increments until Plan B's done. If you feel like you can do that, then I wouldn't recommend that you... You can always, you can always do this anytime you want, but it doesn't sound quite so urgent for you to talk to the person prescribing the medicine for purposes of helping your kids participate in Plan B. Now, for purposes of just reducing the overall tension in the household and the activity level and the poor impulse control that, that I think you're referring to when you say that they're running rings around you, that could be worth a conversation. But if you feel like you can get Plan B done, even under your present circumstances, then as it relates to doing Plan B, it sounds like you're doing okay even without getting a great deal of help from medicine. Now, 
here's the tricky part. Your, your biggest question was solutions that seem to work for two days don't work after two days. And what's that about? And you know what? I'm sorry, I'll even um, back up a little bit. It may not work for two days. The behavior, well, the behavior goes for two days. And I really, I can't say for certain that we had followed, the, you know, the outcome of the Plan B, um, the strategy of the uh, problem solving. Yes. Maybe the behavior just, it just went away. Say that one more time. I missed the last part. Uh, the behavior just went away for for the next couple of days. Got it. So it obviously wasn't solved because it came back, but it's it's so multifactorial. Um, some days, up and dressed and out the door, smile. <laughs> Other days, it's dawdling, um, sitting in bed, reading a book, refusing, mm-hmm. blatantly refusing. Um, so I sometimes I feel like I'm tippy-toeing around because I never know what's going to come at me. <laughs> of course. Um, well, I'm but here's the good news. So here's my question. Yeah. It sounds like in the example you were giving, it sounds like the unsolved problem was getting ready for school in the morning. Yes? That's one, yes. Yes. What was the solution? What What solution did you end up putting in place? And let's assume it's only one of them because if we're do if they both have that unsolved problem, we would be doing plan B separately with each of them, as I mentioned earlier, because we'd be assuming um that what's getting in their way is different. Now we could be proven otherwise once we do the empathy step with both of them, but there's a pretty decent chance that the concerns of the two kids are different and that, therefore, the solutions could end up being different. So pick one. What was the solution to the getting ready for school in the morning unsolved problem? Um, <clears throat> this one worked for a little while. Our neighbor's children would walk to school, as we do, and we started a little contest between families as to who was going to be on the street first so we could walk together. Of course, that's contingent on the other family walking versus driving, you know, at the last minute because they have similar <laughs> similar concerns as well, I believe. Um, so sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. So the solution uh, also, was we'll kind of make a bit of a competition or a game out of it. Yes. And we hoped that that would energize them to... Get ready for school. Yes. So now here's my question. I'm trying now this is this is going in reverse order here. I'm trying to think of what concerns you might have heard about in the empathy step that making a competition out of it might have addressed. So now let me ask specifically. Okay. What did you hear from let's say the one child you're talking about right now, about what's making it hard for them to get ready for school on a timely basis in the morning? Uh, this has been going on so long, I'm, I'm just trying to pinpoint. Oh, uh, she doesn't want to go to school. Um, All right. Just keep going. School. She hates school. She hates Did school. Did you get... Uh, 
much more information than that in terms of um, what it is that she hates about school. Well, there has it's been ongoing. Unfortunately, um, because of her behaviors, she gets in trouble. In quotation marks. Uh, so I probably don't um, dwell down far enough because when she says that, at times I will try to get a little bit more information. Uh, okay, so what specifically is happening? You know, how can how can we speak to your teacher? How can we help you make it better? Um, and sometimes she will come forth with that. Last year, for example, she gave. I, I was journaling for her, and she said, I wish my teacher could see this. And I said, well, can I share it with her? And my daughter actually had some recommendations for what might be able to help, a couple of which would be feasible, but unfortunately it was in June. So, and nothing was acted upon. One of the, whether it's compounding or not, the teacher this year, I get the sense, doesn't really believe the psychological report, saying that she's smart, she can do it, and I'm not going to play her game. Unfortunately, I get that's not the answer, and that's probably how, well, it is, how I thought a couple of years ago um, about playing games. And when I try to speak with her about you know, we do have these issues, the auditory attention, um, specific things that the psych- psychological psychological testing found. The teacher doesn't seem to want to um, address those things. So I've also tried to explain when, this, when my daughter's frustration level rises um, and when the expectations are too much, that's when she comes crashing down. But... I don't get the sense that she, the teacher, appreciates that. So this so is I, I getting this is getting more interesting the longer we talk. But at a very basic level, at the most basic level, here's what I'm hearing, and this is one of the reasons solutions don't work for very long. So at a very basic level, when solutions don't work, it's for one of three reasons. Reason number one, it wasn't realistic in the first place. Right. Reason number two, it wasn't mutually satisfactory in the first place. Right. And, and part of not being mutually satisfactory in the first place means that the concerns of both parties weren't addressed, but another part of that could be that the concerns of both parties weren't actually known. And then reason number three, in other words, they weren't explored far enough in the empathy step so that whatever solution we came up with wouldn't have addressed what the concerns really were. It's just that we didn't hear what the concerns really were because we, the empathy step didn't go far enough. And then reason number three is related to that. Let's say we heard everything that we needed to hear in the empathy step, everything the kid could give us, the solution will address those concerns, but the solution won't address concerns we didn't hear about. So now let's get down to the very basics. Let's say the reason that she sometimes is having difficulty getting ready to school, go to school in the morning is because she hates school, and you've just described some things about school that 
would make good sense to me as it relates to why school would not be her favorite place. Yes. Getting excited, making a game out of racing the neighbors to the street to be first might work for a day or two because it's novel, but wouldn't, if that is the real concern, address the real concern. Because after two days of excitement, your child is still reflecting on the fact that things are not going well at school, and now things not going well at school is trumping excitement. But excitement doesn't fix most things and won't fix the fact that your daughter is having some difficulties at school that are making her not terribly energized to get there on some days. Does that all make sense? Yes, it does. So my recommendation would be we go back to the empathy step. Now, before I make a recommendation, what would, if that's your child's concerns, what would make your child more enthusiastic about going to school? solving the problems that she's having at school that we would like to learn much more about in the empathy step of Plan B. You may already have heard a fair amount about it. What I'm saying is that the solution, uh, getting excited about getting into the street first, wouldn't solve anything that you would hear about as it relates to the difficulties she's having at school. Sounds like that's what we need to learn more about and then come up with solutions that actually address the concerns we're now hearing about in the empathy step. Um, if we try to come up with solutions to problems that are not well understood yet, and the difficulties she's having at school, one of the things I would definitely say about them is that that's not going to be a quick or easy fix, so this could take a while. Mm -hmm. But whatever's going on at school, getting into the street first is not going to solve. So now to my recommendation, back to the empathy step, to try to learn as much as we can about the difficulties your daughter is having at school, and upon hearing about those difficulties, making a determination about whether you can solve that problem with your daughter on, or child. I don't remember which gender we're talking about anymore, to tell you the truth. Um, with your child on your own or whether you're going to need input from the folks at school um, because they're the ones who are at school when your child is having difficulties there. Um, you may need them to be involved in coming up with a plan as well. That makes sense? Absolutely. <clears throat> now, um, that's that's the plan B advice. But you got your hands full. I, I'm hoping that the combination of plan B and medicine improves things over time to the degree that you would like. I'll tell you what, you're welcome to call into this program anytime you want. We're about to run out of time for today, but you're welcome to call in anytime you want to 
ask for more help. But here's my recommendation for the week in between today's program and next week's if you choose to call in again. Let's go back to the empathy step and hear as much as we can about the problems at school, and then we'll be in a much better position to have another discussion about whether you need the school's help and what some potential solutions might be. What do you think? Absolutely. Good. You are welcome to call in any time, and now you've got some homework. You didn't know that if you called in, homework would be part of the bargain, but it's been known to happen on this program. I'll stay accountable. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for calling. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. That's going to do it for us today on um, Parenting Your Challenging Child. I hope today's program was helpful, and you know we'll be back next week to do this all again. Take care.